Well, this morning I was very tempted to just simply do a replay of the royal wedding sermon um, and just sit down because that was pretty awesome. Uh, just love seeing the reaction of some of the people that, that were there. But uh, just fantastic. If you, haven't, if you haven't come across that, go home and YouTube it or watch the million replays. Uh, but very passionate and very real about the power of love. But this morning, I just wanted to say, Happy Pentecost. It's not something that we say very often, is it? (laughs) Uh, Today is Pentecost uh, on our Christian calendar. And uh, just like uh, Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And and Easter, we celebrate the death of Jesus. Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the church. For on that great day, the Spirit came upon the disciples and empowered them to go out Uh, with boldness and to preach the gospel. And the first believers uh, came and and many were added to their number. And so today we celebrate, just like we do Easter and just like we do Christmas, we celebrate Pentecost. And uh, it's a great privilege to be able to come and and share and speak on the nature of Pentecost today. Um, But as, as normal, I often get very excited during the week when... Uh, I get a sense of what the Lord's uh, asking me to speak about. And then um, just through conversations or a song or something, I, I hear of, of what's going to be happening uh, in, the, in the service. And I'm just uh, thrilled that it just it sinks in with, with what the words were going to be shared. And um, Dave and I had been talking for a while about getting the prayer ministry team to actually share some great examples of answered prayer and to be an encouragement to, to what's going on in that ministry. And I wasn't actually aware that David asked Carol to do that this week. And so then Carol rings me up and says, I've got four people lined up and they're going to come and share. And I was, oh, that's this week. Oh, okay. And then she, she said some of the examples of, of what they were going to share. And I said, that's so good. The Spirit of God is at work because they line up so perfectly uh, with what I actually want to share about. So I'm actually going to get uh, Adam and Tiff to come up now, and they're just going to intro, really, uh, this morning's uh, session on the Pentecost by, by sharing their testimony about uh, their experience of the Spirit and answered prayer. So you can arm wrestle as to who goes first or something, but maybe Adam, yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, so I'm a recipient of the good work of the prayer ministry and um, November last year actually uh, Willie came down the front and said that she felt that um, someone was worried that they might lose their job and that she wanted to pray for them um, and I kind of felt that might be me. Um, I wasn't particularly worried at the time but the pressures were mounting at work and I had less than a month left on my contract, which started to become a little bit of a concern. There's a restructure at work at the time, and we all knew that people were going to lose their jobs amongst that. And I was kind of at the bottom of the food chain being a new grad there. And uh, I was looking to get um, paternity leave lined up pretty quickly because uh, Indy was less than two months away at the time. And Christmas is around the corner, so it's a terrible time to be looking for work if you're not sure if you've got a job or not. So um, I didn't feel 
stress that day, but I went and spoke to Willie and, and we prayed and, and she just felt that God wanted to tell me that he's got it under control. Um, and so we just prayed over that. And, and this was one of those situations where God could see what was going to happen before me and, and prepared me with the tools that day to, um, to tackle what was coming. And so on the Tuesday, as I was trying to sort out my paternity leave, um, it was a bit challenging with my boss. He wasn't very forthcoming in signing the forms that I needed to, to approve that. And, um, and my manager just said in passing, oh, we need to talk about your contract before the end of the week. Um, and I was quite busy at the time and it was kind of a passing comment that just chewed away at me that, that day. And that night I went home on the tram and to my car and it was a little bit, the panic started to set in a little bit. And then it was lucky that Willie prayed with me on the Sunday beforehand because I felt that, okay, God, this is, this is a word you've given me that's undeniably you. Um, it came in a way that I, you know, can see that you, um, you're clearly speaking to my life. And, and so I just kind of went, you know what, God, like I've got no control over the outcome here. It's in your hands. And without um, Willie being brave, brave enough to stand at the front and give me that word, I probably would have had a sleepless night that night. And so the next day, it just rolled around and I rocked up to work and there was my paternity leave form signed on my desk as I turned up and, and my boss pulled me aside straight away and said, oh, we're going to extend your contract to the end of financial year and so I had nothing to worry about. But God could see what was coming for me and prepared me beforehand. So I just um, am so thankful for that. Yeah. Well, hi, everybody. Um, it's a real privilege to be able to share with you today and um, to speak about how God has blessed me through prayer quite recently. Um, if you don't know, I'm a single mum of two beautiful boys, and at times life can, be, can get pretty busy. Um, constantly racing around, making sure I get the kids on to school on time, juggling home life, school, teaching, appointments, work, church, and um, we tend to fill our lives with so much that we forget um, to stop and to make time for what's really important spending time in prayer with the Lord. Um, Over the past year, I have been caught up in this business and slowly found myself um, spending less and less time in prayer with him. I found myself starting to drift away from God and relying on my own strength to face life's challenges and thought if I just stayed positive, everything would be fine. I put on a bit of a mask so that no one would um, see what was actually going on in my life and the mess that it was in. Um, I started losing hope and this was when the devil started to fill me with lies saying that I just wasn't good enough, attacking my confidence, filling me with so many fears and anxieties and constantly attacking my ability as a mother, a teacher, and sadly I started to believe him. Um, I fell into a pretty dark place that I felt like I couldn't get out of. I was um, consumed by negative thoughts and found that everyday tasks were a challenge. I started to feel that life was um, just a struggle and it was becoming a bit too overwhelming. I continued living like this for a few weeks until one day it all became just too much and I was afraid of the person who I was becoming. On the Sunday at church after one of David's sermons, um, he asked if anyone would like prayer. I went out the front and asked God to just take complete control of my life again. Our awesome prayer team um, came out the front and I met with a beautiful Carol who prayed with me. A few days later, I caught up with Carol and she spoke to me about whether I had been baptised in the Holy Spirit. We met for coffee and spoke about what would happen and how the Holy Spirit would give me a gift. I was really excited and ready um, to feel the work of the Holy Spirit through me. So after our chat, 
Carol gave um, me this wonderful little devotional book. It's called Jesus Calling, um, which God later used to speak to me when I felt like I faced a challenge. So after church one day, I met with Carol and Willie and we went into one of the back rooms and they baptised me in the Holy Spirit. Um, as I started to pray, um, I just I started to shake, felt incredibly cool. Uh, and then I felt this just sense of warmth um, and I just wept. And I knew at that instant I felt at complete peace and I knew that I was no longer alone. A couple of weeks had passed and I continued to regularly read his word and spend time with the Lord in prayer. When life threw challenges my way, I no longer relied on my own strength to solve these problems. I had seen and felt God's hand in every aspect of my life. One area that I was still struggling with was my self-confidence. I still felt that I was not, um, not confident in my own ability and let my fears and anxieties control me once again. I then decided, look, I'm giving this to God and asked him to help me to see my true worth. So that morning... Um, I had usually a morning prayer time and I read this verse and there were two verses that um, I read on that day. It was the verse of the day from my Bible app and also the daily devotion in this little book. And this is what they both said. It says, Living in dependence on me is the way to enjoy an abundant life. You are learning to appreciate tough times because they amplify your awareness of my presence. Tasks that you used to dread are becoming rich opportunities to enjoy my closeness. When you feel tired, you remember that I am your strength. You take pleasure in leaning on me, and I am pleased by your tendency to turn to me more and more frequently, especially when you are alone. When you are with other people, you often let uh, lose sight of my presence. Your fear of displeasing people puts you in bondage to them, and they become your primary focus. When you realise this has happened, whisper my name and this tiny act of trust brings me to the forefront of your conscious, consciousness where I belong. As you bask in the blessing of my nearness, my life can flow through you to others. And this is an abundant life. And um, this is what the, the verse of the day read from 1 Timothy 4.12. It said, get, out, get the word out and teach all these things and do not let anyone put you down. Teach believers with your life, by word, by demeanour, by love, by faith and by integrity. Stay at your post reading scripture and give counsel and teaching. And that special... Sorry. And that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid their hands on you and prayed... Keep that dusted off and in use. Wow. <laughs> you see, after I read this, I was just so amazed how awesome our God is. <clears throat> Needless to say, I was pretty blown away. I knew that whatever challenges or, ch- or um, troubles that I would face, that I was never alone. <laughs> he had my life in his hands. And whenever I had doubts, he reassures me. When I feel anxious or let fear control me, he would comfort me because nothing is impossible when you are standing strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank Wow. How good was that? Amazing. Thank you to everyone who shared. Um, and also, um, I just want to say a huge thank you to, to Carol for being obedient to uh, the call on her life. Uh, I meet with Carol at least once a week uh, with the Care and Connect team and I've seen her really step up in her gifts and in her call to ministry. 
and to see the results of that um, and, and her work in obedience to the, the spirit at work in, in her is great. So I just want to honour you, Carol, for that. Whew. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so Pentecost. Um, Pentecost was a, a Jewish festival. Um, it was one of the three annual festivals uh, that they, they celebrated throughout the year. And it happened 50 days after Passover. And it was a harvest festival, Thanksgiving for the harvest uh, that would come in. And uh, in the intertestimonial, intertestament period, it also became a Thanksgiving uh, thing for the giving of the law. Because after the first Passover, 50 days after that, uh, Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. And so there was two functions to the original Pentecost uh, that the Jews celebrated. First of all, the harvest and thanksgiving for the harvest. And secondly, thanksgiving for the giving of the law. And uh, I just love the imagery that the Lord uses in the Christian calendar. So, for example, when we celebrate Easter, uh, Jesus happened to, not, well, not just happened, it was in the plan of God, to, uh, to die on the cross at Passover because the people of the time knew of the Passover, which was the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, that they would be uh, free from the angel of death and, and they'd, they'd find freedom and life in that and be saved from that. And so Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb. His blood saves us and saves the sins of the whole world. So there's, there's a similarity there. And it's the same with Passover. Uh, Pentecost, thank you. Same with Pentecost. There's, there's some wonderful imagery that's, that's taking, taking shape. We all know that uh, Peter stands up at Pentecost and he gives that first uh, sermon. And there were Jews from every nation there that day. So um, when the first harvest is, is brought up, it's a worldwide harvest uh, for the church, for Jesus. So at Pentecost, the time of Thanksgiving for the harvest, the first fruits of the gospel uh, take place and the church is born. And in the same way that Moses on Mount Sinai, when the giving of the law, there was wind, there was fire. Uh, in the same way at Pentecost, when the disciples were in that room, wind, the sound of wind, fire settles upon them. And the giving of the law was for a way to live. And then the giving of the Spirit is given to the disciples as a way to live. Wonderful um, imagery going on. But I just wanted to say this morning, and if there's nothing else that you take home, take home this. And that is that Pentecost isn't just an historical event to study. It's an everyday reality to experience. Pentecost isn't just an historical event. It happened then, um, happened to the disciples. It's very interesting and we can theorise about what happens and the theological content of all that, it's actually an 
experience and a reality that we can have every day. Why? Because the same spirit that came on the disciples that great day is the same spirit that is alive right now in this place. It is the same spirit that is at work in the lives of the people that we heard testimony to. And it's the same spirit that desires to be at work in your life. And so I want to encourage everyone this morning that this Pentecost, that we would be open to the Holy Spirit and what he is wanting to say to us, how he's wanting to work through us and how he's wanting to bless us. So it is about experiencing the Spirit. I just want to look at quickly uh, the account in Acts. We're going to read through that and I'm going to just bring out a few things that I think relate to how we engage with the Spirit in our lives today. Is it ready to go? All right, cool. This happens every time. There we go. Okay, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, that is Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room and where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I talked about how Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. Jesus, when he spoke to the disciples, uh, then ascended uh, into heaven and that happened 40 days after his resurrection So there were 10 whole days in which the disciples were told to wait and wait for the the gift that the Father had had promised. And the first thing I want to say is that take note at the way the disciples waited. Every day they met together in continuous prayer. I don't even know what that looks like. Continuous prayer. Every day they met together. And so the first thing I want to say is that they were obedient to the word of Jesus by waiting. And not only were they obedient in waiting, the way that they waited was amazing. For they had intent. They had passion. They made it a priority to listen to the promise of Jesus and to wait in a way that uh, enabled them to experience this. And I'll just try and imagine myself 
those 10 days in Jerusalem waiting. And, okay, guys, we're getting together. We're going to pray. Jesus said the, the gift is coming. Okay, go home that night, go to bed. Come, okay, today, guys, we're going to get together. We're going to pray. Day three. Okay, guys, we're going to get together. Day four, day five. Oh, I don't know. I've got some things to do. Um, got some things to attend to. You know, is this actually going to happen? But no, they were diligent. There was intent. They made it a priority above everything else to be obedient to the words of Jesus and to get together and to wait for that gift to come. And so often we feel like perhaps God has said something or God has promised something or God has given us a word. And June was talking about this. Don't, don't ever give up on that. Sometimes we sense that um, if it doesn't happen straight away, then maybe that word wasn't of God or maybe that promise isn't coming true. But the promise of God actually prompted the disciples to pray for the promise to happen. See, the promise doesn't then render prayer useless. The promise doesn't say that we don't need to participate. The promise motivated the disciples to eagerly seek and go after all that God had promised them and all that he had, has for them. And so it is with us when it comes to the Holy Spirit. If we have a eh, so-so attitude, uh, maybe uh, I'll get around to it, maybe tomorrow, then the result is likely to be a eh, so-so experience. But if there is an intent if there is a heartfelt passion, a prioritising of going after the things of God, then the result is so often so much bigger and so much more profound and so much more amazing than we could have even thought of or imagined. And these guys have, have shared about that this morning. So how does that relate to us today? I encourage you, to daily, constantly, with intent and priority, seek out the Holy Spirit and what he has for your lives, how he wants to speak through you, what he wants to show you, how he wants to use you. Don't let it just be a Pentecost thing once a year. Let it be a daily reality to go after and to intently seek after him. The second thing, and I'm going to be reading a little into the text here, so I ask for your permission to do that. It says that um, it doesn't actually say where the disciples were when the Holy Spirit came. It said that they were together in one place. But it says in previous verses that they went back to the upper room. And... Some scholars say it might have been the same upper room that the Last Supper was held in. Um, and there is something very profound about the upper room. And that is that in Middle Eastern culture, the notion of hospitality was a massive thing. If a traveller was passing through your town and they needed uh, a bed and some food... It was actually your responsibility 
and expected of you to take them in and to look after them and to, to make them as a guest welcome in your home. In fact, I've got a picture here of a very typical house of the time and the house was on the bottom and that was the normal house and then often there was an outside staircase to either an open room with no roof on it or if you perhaps had a bit more money, an actual room. So this is what was the upper room and we might call it today a guest room, a room that was made up and ready for a traveller to pass through, a stranger, someone that you didn't know, who needed to come in, find rest and get sustenance before their journey continued. So it was the guest room. And I find it very interesting that the disciples positioned themselves in the space of welcoming, positioned themselves physically in that guest room, which is a place of openness a place of welcoming people into the area that you are in. And so I think it's the same with the Holy Spirit, that that there was an openness, not only physically, but also spiritually in their hearts, and openness to it, not closed off, not holding things at arm's length, but an openness to what this gift would be and what it would look like because the disciples didn't actually know what to expect. Sometimes in our lives, we like to know what's coming up and we don't like things that are different. We don't like things that we're not aware of or you know, might be uncomfortable with. We want things to be all so-so. The disciples All they knew was to wait in Jerusalem until the gift that the Father had promised would come. What did that gift look like? What what were they to expect? They didn't know. But their hearts were open to whatever it would be. And it's the same with us in our lives. First of all, we physically position ourselves coming this morning to come together, to be open to what God wants to do. But we also spiritually open our hearts up to what that might be. There is not a hardening of heart. There is not a holding things at distance, but an actual positioning ourselves to say, you know what, I don't know what this is going to be, but I know that God is good and I know that his gifts are good, and I'm going to be open for whatever that is. So when I was younger, I, um, I grew up in a Christian home, but it wasn't a home that sort of really experienced the Holy Spirit in any, any manner. And so growing up as a young person trying to work out their faith, I, there were these sort of spiritual people and they were a bit weird and they did some strange stuff and for me in my heart and in my mind I was like that's a bit abnormal you know what I mean it's a bit strange and then I actually experienced the presence the peace and the person of the Holy Spirit and what seemed abnormal seemed very normal 
seemed very real. It seemed like trying to live without it is weird. Trying to go through this Christian journey, this life without the sense of the Spirit, is abnormal. (laughs) It completely flipped my head around because as a younger person I was closed off to what it would be like. Perhaps I was scared. Perhaps I was too cool to try and, you know, give up who I was to give up myself to what God would do. And I had to lay that down and to be open to what he would say. Um, So number one, intentionally seeking it out. Two, being open to that. I'm just going to get Joe up now. Joe's going to share a little picture about how the Holy Spirit uh, can be at work in our lives. Thank you. Super tech savvy. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Great to see you. I was sitting in front of Adam um, Lohmeyer last week, actually. It was really handy. Uh, The notices came up. And Pastor Dave said, and next week Sam will be preaching. And I thought, okay, great, that's good. It's always a good heads up for me when I see the notices and see what we've got on for the next week. (laughs) So um, I did what I often do. And uh, a few days ago, I casually said to Sam, so do you know what you're going to be speaking on? He said, oh, it's Pentecost. I said, oh, fantastic, that's great. And we were sitting up in bed far too late. Got bad routines at the moment, far too late. And um, as we were talking, I just had such a clear sense, a really clear picture. Um, And I said to Sam, hey, why don't you talk about, and just rattled off a whole lot of stuff. (laughs) And he said, well, actually, I did have a few things in mind. I was going to talk about this, this, and this. And we realised that those things fitted together really, really well. But before I share with you, I just wanted to say that I love the way that the Holy Spirit um, knows us, and he knows our interests, and he knows who we all are individually. He's not a stranger to us and that is just so important when we are considering all that he might want to be doing in our personal lives. He knows us and um, because he knows us, the picture he gave me was very much what I'm interested in, cooking. So uh, do you guys all know MasterChef? Yeah, so I grew up in the UK watching MasterChef with a guy called Lloyd Grossman. That was his name in the 90s probably still his name now, but in the 90s, (laughs) when I was watching, that was his name, and I uh, made Sam watch a little bit of him last night as well. But one of the most well-known parts of the MasterChef show is the weekly mystery box challenge. Can you put your hands up if you know the mystery box challenge? Okay, so for the rest of you, each week, the judges choose a selection of ingredients, like figs, lobster, caper berries, eggs all sorts of different ingredients. And um, as I was thinking about this, I really felt like that's kind of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Like Sam was saying, I think we so often can hold the Spirit at arm's length and um, feel nervous about things because the reality is that how he works is unpredictable and that's very unsettling. I know it is for me, but it's unsettling for lots of people. So in the Mystery Box Challenge on MasterChef, an amateur cook lifts up a wooden box and reveals this selection of hand-picked ingredients. 
And um, within a set time frame, they need to choose how they're going to use all of those ingredients to create a beautiful finished dish. And I just had this sense um, that our lives can feel a little bit like a series of those ingredients. So if we think about our Christian lives, we can think of those ingredients as being our prayer life and coming to church and Bible study and maybe some worship, all the different ingredients that can make up our life. And I think also our interests, our own likes, our personality, our behaviours, the things we love to do, our passions, can also feel like those ingredients. And that's a bit like our whole life. And I felt like God just said really clearly, the Holy Spirit is like that cook. And it's like he lifts the lid on each of our lives. And there are all of these ingredients that have been handpicked by God. Who we are is unique and beautiful. And it's like the Holy Spirit is going to bring all of those things together and transform them from being a series of different ingredients to being something absolutely beautiful, a beautiful masterpiece. Now, I love actually watching the cooks, unless they're really stressed, which don't go with that in this analogy. But when the cook is totally in the zone on MasterChef, they're leaning over. You can see their passion. You can see that they're choosing how to treat in each ingredient, that they know what they're doing. They've got a plan. And I just love that because I think that that's how the Holy Spirit wants to be active in our lives breathing and making and creating and designing those beautiful ingredients into something incredible. So where does God come into this analogy? Well, it's actually the judges in MasterChef who choose and handpick those ingredients. And in the same way, God has created each of you incredibly beautifully and uniquely. We're all completely different. I know for our children, when I see them and I look at their strengths and their weaknesses and their behaviours and their talents, I know that Skylar's different from Jack and Jasper's different from Sophie and from Joel. And so let's think about this analogy. And at the end of the challenge, what happens on the show is that the cook presents this finished dishes to the judges. And I think that's a little bit like the Holy Spirit saying, look, Here you go to God the Father. And the judges smile to one another and they look at this beautiful dish and they think, wow, that's better than I could have imagined. I hadn't thought of doing it in quite that way. There's this beautiful um, picture of them seeing the result, this creativity and this design that was there from the very beginning, that potential that was always there. So I wonder whether that's a different way, a new way of thinking about the Holy Spirit's role in our life, because it's him that brings that beauty and transforms all of those ingredients, and he doesn't want to just be on the outside. He wants to be the one involved in that whole process throughout our whole lives. So I wonder what it would look like if we said, okay, Holy Spirit, (laughs) this work situation for Adam, my family situation for Tiff and for all of us. Will you have your way? These are the ingredients. Will you have your way in my life? One of my favourite sayings is, we've only got one life. And I actually don't mean that to sound as trite as it may seem. For me, that phrase kind of encompasses this whole thing of, we actually truly, in reality, only have one life. 
And we don't know how long it's going to be going for. And we don't know what's going to be around the next corner. And so I think we all want our lives to count. We all want our lives to have an impact, to make a difference, to be fun. And we all want to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. So I encourage you to think about that because one day we're going to be ushered into that room and presented to the Father and he's going to look at our lives and I know he's going to smile and say, wow, that was better than I ever could have imagined. And I think that's the way the Holy Spirit wants to work in each of our lives. Thanks. Fantastic. Um, I had some more to say, but I just, I just really sensed that um, I had a sense with the testimonies, uh, with with the talk of Pentecost. I thought it'd be really awesome for us as a church community to actually open ourselves up to the ministry of the Spirit amongst us today. So I'm going to get the um, musicians to come forward. Um, I was talking before about the timing and how God uses things. Um, many of you know that Jo came from England and she came to Australia because Barry Chant went and headhunted her dad to come to Australia. And then I find myself um, being emailed by Barry Chant himself. Um, and he's written a poem on Pentecost. And he's written nine verses about how the Spirit is at work in our lives. And we're going to have a time where we're going to just sing. We're going to have a time where the music is just going to be playing. And it might be that something that was shared this morning really spoke to you. It might be that you in yourself sense that the Holy Spirit has a word for someone in the room. It might be that you want to express your love for, the, for Jesus in amongst, uh, in amongst the playing and the music. And I just want us to be intently seeking him. And I want us to be open and not afraid of what might come, but actually open up our hearts just like the disciples did that great day of Pentecost. And ask that same spirit just to come. It might just be to fill you with peace and joy, the fruits of the spirit. It might be to empower you, just like Peter was empowered for ministry. It might be to speak into a particular part of your life that is going on right now, that you know you're struggling in your own strength, you're doing it yourself, and you really need God to come and take hold of that situation. So I want to just read this poem to you. I just encourage you to perhaps close your eyes or begin to just open yourself up to the Lord. The Promise of the Father. When my heart is deeply burdened with depression, fear or grief, and relentless grinding pressure breathes no whisper of belief, 
Then the promise of the Father brings me comforting relief through the Counselor, the Spirit of Grace. When I face unnerving choices with uncertainty and fear, and I search in vain for guidance for an answer to appear, then the promise of the Father makes the resolution clear through the Spirit, the Spirit of Wisdom. When I feel inept and fragile and incompetent to serve, and I find it petrifying to stand firm and hold my nerve, through the promise of the Father there is strength and godly verve by the Spirit, the Spirit of Might. When I face temptation's lure and the passion of the flesh, and I fear I'll be entangled in sin's sticky, clinging mesh, through the promise of the Father, I can stand in holiness by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When I find myself disheartened by my egotistic soul, and I need to be more patient and as gentle as a foal, through the promise of the Father, I find loving self-control by the Spirit, the Spirit of love. When I come to God in prayer and I cannot intercede with effectual expression of an aching, yearning need, through the promise of the Father, with new utterance I plead by the Spirit, the Spirit of intercession. When a situation's hopeless and no answer can be found, and I need a mighty miracle to turn the things right around, through the promise of the Father, signs and wonders may abound by the Spirit, the Spirit of power. When my soul feels isolated and my Lord seems far away, and I cannot see Him clearly, and it's even hard to pray, through the promise of the Father, Christ appears like dawning day by the Spirit, the Spirit of revelation. To fulfill the Great Commission, I am promised teeming showers of renewal and refreshing from the Saviour who empowers through the promise of the Father as the devil darkly cowers and the mighty name of Jesus over every rival towers by the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. Just encourage you now to, you can sit, you can stand, but we're just going to invite the Spirit now to minister to us. You might have a picture or a word. You might, like Tiff, just want to just come forward and just say, Lord, I need this baptism of the Spirit. The prayer team will be here at the front along with me. So just open yourselves up now for the Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.